Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Binance Podcast. My name is Weijo. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Binance. So, what I want to do with this show is to spend time talking to specialists, entrepreneurs, scholars, influencers, basically leading people from a variety of industries. Hopefully, through these conversations, we can share insights on how blockchain is changing not just these different industries, but also in changing the world. Here's a quick disclaimer: all opinions expressed by our host and our guests on this podcast are merely their own opinions. They do not imply any endorsements or opinions of their companies. You should not take these opinions as specific investment advice, as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Uh, hey, everybody! This is Wei. Thank you for joining us in an edition of the、uh, the Binance Podcast. Today, we're、uh, really happy to have、uh, Ari Eshe joining us. He's the lead developer for Bitcoin、uh, ABC, which runs basically the network behind BCH. So、uh, we're actually pretty happy today to learn a little bit about what's going on from the development side on the BCH network. Some of the things that we have to look forward to, you know, that's coming out in terms of BCH and、uh, and getting more adoption and then、uh, getting more interest、uh, in the projects. Thanks、uh, for having me. Yeah, sure.、Um, would love to sort of understand, you know, your background in terms of how you got、mm-hmm. into sort of you know blockchain as a whole, and then why the interest in BCH specifically. Yes,、uh, certainly. So I was into Bitcoin for a very long time, like way before I entered it, that space as a developer. I had an interest in it. I discovered Bitcoin in in 2010, which is probably earlier than most. But but you know, like in 2010, the space was very different from what it is now. Like. Now crypto is much more mainstream than it used to be. At the time, people were not sure, you know, if you would have acceptance for government or if you had some kind of crackdown or whatnot, right? So it was much more dodgy at the time. And so I don't want it to make that, you know, very public that I was interested in into it just for, you know, self preservation. So I did not work into it as a developer. I was. You know, over the year, I worked in various company. I spent the most time at Facebook. I spent several years at Facebook in Japan and the US.、Mm-hmm. But in 2015, 2016, also, people might remember there was this big scaling debate going on in Bitcoin, and、uh, and I was like, you know what? No, Bitcoin is much more mainstream. It's much less risky to to get involved for you know like regulatory risk and all of that.、Mm-hmm. And and scaling is actually something I have a lot of experience with、mm-hmm. because、uh, you know. At Facebook, everything is pretty large scale, but pretty much by definition. So it gave me a lot of、uh, experience to deal with very large scale system. So I was like, no, the, the debate about Bitcoin is scaling. This is what I know about. So I'm gonna get involved. This is how it happened. You know, the scaling debate,、uh, various stuff were tried. People tried to find compromise and stuff like that, but it did not、mm-hmm. happen, right? So when、mm-hmm. when it looked like compromise did not happen, I was like, okay, this is gonna split. So I, I started working on. On creating BCH at that time, yeah, that's my interest in BCH, right? Like,、uh, there was like you know, people wanted to either let Bitcoin like it is, a lot of complicated system on top of it to try to work around the limitations. Because as I assume your your listeners know,、uh, when there is too many user on Bitcoin, it becomes slow and expensive to use. And so the the Bitcoin people they they were like you know we need to build like Lightning Network and Liquid and all those technology to work around those limitations, and the spirit of BCH was more well we need to improve the protocol itself so that it can accommodate for more users. And so at the end BCH ended up being very similar to Bitcoin in many ways, except it doesn't become slow 
and expensive to use when there are there are more users. And so the angle there is to use it as currency very much. So there is a lot of adoption in businesses. Uh, there is a lot of payment process online that you that integrates it. And it's really made, you know, like to, to buy stuff and to sell stuff and to do these kind of things. Yeah, I mean, it's like as, as money, you know, like you would do with cash, but online. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you just look at like the origin of Bitcoin, I mean, originally in the white papers, there's pretty much a peer to peer value exchange of value yeah. in the network. Yeah. Right? It, and I think it actually, in my mind, it actually has the network effect of Bitcoin is actually not necessarily in the transfer of value but actually the storage and the uh, representation of value. That aspect sort of, of this P2P network has existed. But in terms of the efficiency of the network, it hasn't really, that was one of the key things that a lot of the people, I think in the traditional financial space and the traditional will point to when they attack Bitcoin, it's just sort of like, you know, it's not as efficient, right? Like it's much faster to move money in the traditional world than it is to move sometimes in the, in the Bitcoin network. Right. What's really interesting is is that Bitcoin at the at the, at the end of the day it's more it still is an idea. And then like we've done a lot with the idea of Bitcoin and the evolution of it, you know, and the iterations of it than anything else. That's sort of like I'm not sure if you agree or disagree with sort of I think you nail it, right? The yeah. Bitcoin community has evolved more from this is a way to exchange value to this is more of a store of value. I think the BCH community is more aligned with the early ethos of Bitcoin where means of exchange is, is very important. That doesn't mean that store value is not important. In my view, you cannot sustainably have one without the other, right? Because if you store value, it's because you expect somewhere down the road in the future to be able to exchange it against something, right? Mm-hmm. And so you don't really have the idea of store value and means of exchange, I think, are not as separated as people think it is in the space. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit, like, since you've been working on it, like, were you there when BCH initially forked out of Bitcoin? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Bitcoin ABC yeah. has been the software yeah. that have been running BCH since uh, pretty uh-huh. much day one, right? So I uh-huh. wrote that the, the software that made the fork uh-huh. happen. So yeah. I was there. Uh-huh. It's kind of my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just go back to time if you sort of talked a little about it? Because I've, I've sort of read a little bit about the story, but I've never really understood, like really never really delved into sort of like the first forking of it. Because I think that-, that Yeah, is, sure. Uh, yeah. So at that time, there was two big factions in the Bitcoin community, right? There are people who want to activate SegWit and then want to build various technology on top of Bitcoin to extend this feature. And there are another group of people that are like, listen, we need to increase the capacity at, at the base level and, and like increase the, the base level in general. And so there was this big conflict going on within the community. And for a while, it seemed like a compromise was uh, going to work, right? There was this idea of SegWit2x. There was kind of an idea where both sides had a bit of what they wanted. And so it was hoped by a lot of people in the Bitcoin community that it would be like a compromise that most people would be okay to go with. Uh, Obviously, on both sides, there were people that were very extreme about not wanting to compromise in any way. But I think most people, the vast majority of the Bitcoin ecosystem was, you know, kind of in the middle. Uh But I saw that people in the middle were not really willing to stand against, you know, the few people that are extreme on each side. And that led me to think that those people on on each side that are at the extreme, they would end up having a disproportionate influence. And so when I saw that, I did use from that that a split would be very likely. And so Mm -hmm. from there, I was like, okay, if a split is very likely, then uh, 
I got to be prepared, right? So I started writing uh, software for that, and that ended up being the software that started PCH. Mm-hmm. How do you see sort of like, like how do you, look, looking back on that, do you still feel like I'm sure there's a lot of responsibility <laughs> with it that comes along with it? Are you, are there is a like, lot of responsibility yeah, yeah. that comes along with it. Yeah, that's not always fun. Like anyone that yeah. has a lot of responsibility that come with stuff uh, <laughs> yeah. can tell you, yeah. But, but you know, I think it's it's project worth pursuing. It's doing pretty well on it all. I mean, it's still one of the top cryptocurrency and we are we have very good technology in the pipe that are going to be deployed, right? So uh-huh. if you want to understand those texts, you need to to... Step back a bit and, and look at what is the vision of the project. And the vision of the project is that we need to have fast, cheap, reliable transactions so that people can use it as a mean of exchange. And you want hard money property so that people can use it as a store of value. Because in, in, in you know, like the, the ethos of the project, we don't think that store of value and medium of exchange are, are very separable, right? So, yep. so you need those two properties. And so yep. the 21 million cap of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. for instance, and the predictable schedule at which it's emitted every 10 minutes there is a block and new coins in circulation and it decreases with each halving give it like very strong hard money property so that's good yeah but then uh, in terms of fast cheap reliable transaction i think we're doing okay but we can do much better you know the nakamoto consensus that is used by bitcoin and many other cryptocurrency mm-hmm. is a bit slow to to come to an agreement right so yep. there is one block every 10 minutes so if you do a transaction on the network it's going to take 10 minutes roughly for the yep. transaction to be validated. And it's probably enough for anything that you do online. You know, if yep. I buy something on Amazon, it doesn't come at my door like 10 minutes later, right? Yep. So, so, so that's fine. But if I want to buy something in a shop, for instance, I'm not going to have, it, it's not good to, to have to wait 10 minutes uh, in the shop for, for yep. the payment to be validated. Mm-hmm. Right now, we've tried to make sure that we make zero conf as secure as possible. So zero conf is like transactions that have been sent on the network but are still not in the block. Mm-hmm. The measure we've taken, you know, effectively they are secure enough for like small value payment. But if you send, you know, high value payment, you probably want to wait for a few confirmations. But we are working on this technology called Avalanche, and Avalanche should give us two second finality or like less than two seconds in many cases on every transaction. So once we deploy that, we're going to have two-second finality on every transaction in BCH, which I think then we can really say, you know, it's fast, cheap, reliable, because two seconds is very much, you know, on par with what credit cards and stuff like that can do. So we have something very, very strong if we make that happen. So this is why we have that in the pipe. Okay, awesome. I'll go back to sort of like a year, maybe a year and a half back is uh, during the sort mm-hmm. of the hash wars, I think, between, uh, between you guys and the other fork before we jump in sort of like the recent developments and then also sort of the fundraising that you guys have, and then I'll, I'll give a shout out for later. But can you talk a little bit about sort of the, the hash wars? <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. So yeah. you may be familiar with the character of Craig Wright. He's, yes, too much. He's a guy that I've uh, you know, been presenting himself as being Satoshi, uh-huh. but he's never provided any proof of it. And you know, like most people in the space think that he's not Satoshi. Uh, he has a long history of, you know, like forgeries and stuff like that. So it's not, <laughs> it's not considered to be a trustworthy individual. Yep. Anyways, mm-hmm. in the early days of BCH, he decided to, you know, join the ecosystem. And, you know, this is like, this is an open ecosystem, like, like most cryptocurrencies. So anyone can join or leave or whatever, like, you know, so, so he decided to join the BCH ecosystem and, 
and make himself at home. And various BCH supporters at the time kind of like believed him, believed that he was Satoshi and all of that, believed his stories. And so came to a point where he started to want to push for stuff where like basically, you know, it should be in control of everything because he's Satoshi, right? Mm-hmm. And when that started happening, obviously that, that couldn't happen. Like first, you know, like if the real Satoshi were to come back and provide irrefutable proof that he was Satoshi and wanted to do that, mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't happen to begin with, right? Because Bitcoin yep. is not made to be controlled by a single person. But then you have that guy that is not considered to be very trustworthy and that has provided no proof that he's Satoshi, even though he's claimed it for years. So he had like many opportunity to do so. Uh, it's even more, you know, <laughs> it's even more of a problem, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And so come this huge conflict in the community about that. And, um, and so Craig Wright is also backed by this billionaire guy called Calvin Air. Yep. So Calvin Air is effectively like bankrolling a huge campaign about, you know, like why, why what they want to do is so much better and everything, right? And, and on our side, we don't have the same kind of like, a, you know, powerful medias and stuff like that. So, yep. so what happened is that they end up making a lot of noise, right? And a lot of people start to see that. And so at some point, the split become unavoidable. Mm-hmm. And so this happened, this happened almost two years ago now. Yeah. And this led to the creation of, of BSV which yeah. i mean i would not recommend i think scams are overused in the space but like bsv is predicated on the idea that that craig wright is satoshi which is like a, <laughs> a highly abuse uh uh-huh. highly abuse claim right so i would i would advise people to stay away from it okay and i think i would love to sort of learn about some of the um, developments that's been going on in the bch network you know, we'd love to sort of hear your uh, insight because I, I think there's a couple of things going on in terms of, you know, block production to make sure just basically continuing to improve the scalability issues, right? Yes. Um, yeah, scalability is one angle, but it's not the only yep. one, right? Mm-hmm. So it, uh, really the direction we're aiming for is fast, cheap, reliable transaction, right? Yep. Everything that, you know, like every tech that people are proposing for inclusion to BCH are going to be looked at through that lens, like, does it improve the fast, cheap, reliable transaction aspect of it? Or, and does it preserve the hard money property of it? That, that's mm-hmm. going to be what we look at. And so one aspect of that is scaling. Because if you don't scale, then what happens is that when a lot of people start using the chain, then it becomes slower and more expensive, which is obviously something that we don't want. So we want to be able to scale as much as possible. We have been deploying various technology to do so. I don't know how much you want me to delve into that because those are like very nerdy, uh, very nerdy stuff. Um, we, can, we can keep it high level. <laughs> but but yeah, basically we, we did various change to the Bitcoin protocol so that we can transmit block faster on the network and, you know, this kind of stuff so that, you know, when blocks get bigger, it still function properly. So that's one aspect of it. And the second aspect of it is that we're deploying this tech that I talked a little bit about before that is called uh-huh. Avalanche. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Avalanche is a way for different nodes on the network to agree on transaction or, or agree if some transaction needs to be accepted or rejected before they are included into a block. Uh, this protocol can do so in typically less than two seconds. And this is why we are looking at deploying that. So right now we have prototypes implementation of that that are already working. But you know there's still some work that needs to happen to go from this is the prototype that worked. This is something we are feeling confident 
that we can roll out in production on the several billion dollar network. You know, you need to <laughs> you need to do a bit more. But this is not science fiction. This is something that we have a, a prototype for that is working today. And so when we deploy that, uh, it's probably going to come, let's say, in, in 2021, obviously, hopefully, and obviously, maybe not, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. If, you know, if the development goes well, it should be rolled out during 2021. And, um, and this is going to give people confirmation of their transaction in two seconds. I think it's a huge step forward. People that want to send money into exchange, for instance, if the exchange decide to support that feature, they're going to be able to have their money in a few seconds available on the exchange rather than wait, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe an hour or if, if this is six confirmation, it's going to be about an hour before they can get the coins on the exchange. So it gives like people a lot of opportunities there. It's also improved the use case for people that want to do live face-to-face interaction that involve transactions, like buying stuff in a shop, mm-hmm. for instance. Okay. Actually, I would love to sort of dig in about Avalanche uh, and then learn a little bit about the protocol, what you're actually looking to deploy sort of next phase. And then who are you guys working with or who's who, who's working with you guys or starting to build on the, on the protocol, if you can sort of give us a little bit preview of that. Okay, sure. So Avalanche is a consensus algorithm that has been released as a research paper mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, roughly, by, by an anonymous team that is called Team Rocket. Mm-hmm. And... Since then, you know, it's been considered like a big, big step forward in the consensus algorithm space yep. because it can come to a decision extremely quickly. So there is a bit of a trade-off with, with Nakamoto consensus in the sense that uh, it's difficult to verify history, whereas when you have a blockchain, you can replay the history of the blockchain and make sure that everything is correct. It's, it's harder to do so with Avalanche, but it's very, very quick. And so the Heidi... You know, the idea that we had with BCH uh-huh. is that we're going to keep the blockchain. We, we don't change that. We keep the blockchain with mining and, and the block every 10 minutes and all of that. Yep. Because it has some very nice property that you can audit all the history, verify that there is no inflation and connect with SPV wallets and, and, and they can operate with the chain and so on. But on top of that, we can make decision with Avalanche on transaction before they are mined. And if we do that, we can provide like the avalanche level of, of certainty like right away in seconds. And then uh, 10 minutes later, they get mined in the block and then you get auditability and, and the ability to verify the history and all of that. If I wanted to use a comparison for people that are a bit less technical, when you buy a house, for instance, well, at the beginning, you are going to see the previous owner of the house and kind of have an agreement with that person that they're going to sell you the house and there is for how much money and all of that, right? Then you're going to see a notary and the notary is going to do a bunch of, of procedure to, to, to verify a bunch of stuff. And then, you know, like make the transaction official, right? Like announce yep. to the world, like here is the new owner of the house. And so all the administration, they know who the new owner is and all of that, right? And that process with the notary is very slow. It can take several weeks, you know? Well, I don't know if you know, but if you ever bought a house, you, you know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it can take a long time, right? Yeah. But, but the negotiation with the owner of the house can be much faster, potentially. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a similar situation. Like with Avalanche, you can make a decision very fast, but there is no public record of it that everybody can check, right? So everybody needs to go to the procedure to know what the decision is. And, and so that's, that's not ideal, but that's very fast, 
right? And then you have the notary that effectively like write the decision in the books and everybody can check it and, and all of that. This is a similar model, even though like the technicality, like there's no notary involved, like it's all computer and, and programming, right? But the general idea is very similar. You get a very fast decision with Avalanche and then you have the blockchain that effectively serve as the notary, making a record of the decision immutable for always, for always for everybody to see and verify. Okay. No, that's awesome. Anything else you'd like to add before we sort of drop off? Because I think you guys have like a, like a business plan, like a fundraising thing online. Uh, we can give yeah, a so we're fundraising yeah. going on for mm-hmm. those technology. BCH is uh, like Bitcoin in the sense yep. that there is no like self-funding mechanism or anything like yep. that. And so uh, right now we are relying on people that, you know, want BCH to do better to help to help us raise funds. Mm-hmm. So there is fund.bitcoinabc.org. People can go to and see, you know, like we have a ton of way, different way to sponsor us. And so if people are interested in that, they, they can see that. Otherwise, bitcoincash.org is where people are going to be able to have like all the information about the currency and what's coming and what is the roadmap, what they can expect now and what they can expect in the future. Okay. Thank you very much, Maury, for, uh, for your time. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview as, as much as I did. If you like this show, please share this episode on Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, WeChat, or any other social media platforms. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Binance Podcast. And see you next time.